Episode of We Talk Comics number four hundred thirteen thousand five hundred nineteen. Right today, that's only today. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, been an awful lot of these. I think this is actually officially episode one seventy seven of WTC. Oh, let's subtitle this one. We never mentioned it. Uh, come up with something right now. We're recording this on Valentine's Day. We're going to talk about. Uh, about Valentine's Day kind of related subjects, even if it goes up past Valentine's Day. Something about love and, you know, kissy, kissy and hot sex. Let's call it Isn't It Romantic? What do you say? And, and I was so looking forward to kissy, kissy, hot sex love. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, come on over then. <laughs> Here he is, a man who, when he says, you complete me, I often hope he's telling me, yeah, he's talking about a comic book series. This man is, uh, well, hello, everybody, this is, uh, let me see, he's the, the chief defender of the faith, uh, the very famous, world famous, in fact, all, heard all around the world, as we're coming off two of our most listened to episodes of all time, Mr. Brett Podcast, how are you? Well, you know... It's it's so nice being elected to the We Talk Podcast Hall of Fame, you know, first inductee, and uh, and I feel great about that. I, I do, I do. Well, you're just a nomination. Uh, you're not actually officially in yet. Oh, it'll, it, it's just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. Look man. at the competition. Speaking of just a matter of time, here's a man when he comes to the room, all the ladies swoon. That's right, but uh, yeah, ladies, you can't have him. He's taken with himself he is the man with no nickname mr chris bestie think superheroes get constipated <laughs> see he's he is taken <laughs> by comic books that's that is all <laughs> you guys think you guys think he just came up with that for the show but these are the type of things that are legitimately often on chris's mind uh yeah, this, this, this is a going concern. This is, uh, yeah, this is the type of empathy that keeps him up at well, night. Well, that, that's what I, I spent my afternoon thinking about that. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they get punched it a lot. On... and I don't know. Internal injuries, yeah, absolutely. Right. I, I'm sure that there's uh, issues. And I, I'm, I'm sure, I, I, I don't see a lot of super easy cheese, but, you know, I... I, I don't know. A lot of abuse. And it has to show somewhere. And other than Spider-Man, I don't... I think I, I've read a comic book where Spider-Man shit his pants. So, I could be wrong. I'm going to need I, that I don't issue. have an... Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm trying to think of the issue number. I don't have it. See, as opposed to... I'm I'm pretty certain that we're going to be doing a Google search before this show's over <laughs> to see if that's true. Uh, by the way, I, I am... I know Deadpool did. Well, yeah, he's Deadpool, but he did that just uh, to annoy his opponent. Um, but it's not like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, whom somebody put shit in his pants. That was Happy really? Noodle Boy. That, that's true. That's true. But yes. All right. Well, I am. Uh, I am the. What is it? Crown Prince of Charisma, Mo. Let's move on. Let's move on from shit in the pants to shit that tugs at our heartstrings. Like uh. that. We have heartstrings. Well, that's this is this is going to be an interesting show uh, uh, based on that because you know I mean we got uh, we got a couple of topics that we're coming up with here uh, you know over well, the next little while barring any guests and and you know and 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 Chris I mean Chris just wants to talk sex and violence you know uh, but what does it I I, I I do but quite frankly I I do you guys like romance comic books on a whole. That's not my go-to source for rom- romantic stuff. 
Well, <laughs> um, really, it wants you have a go-to source for romantic. It, it can't. It doesn't. You prefer the Harlequin romance, do you? It's, yeah, 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 that or some hub. There's different hubs and tubes out there, but you know. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Chris's romance. Yes, romance. <laughs> Do you, do you take it out for a drink? And, and by the way, I just thought maybe we should rename this episode "Isn't It Romantic?" Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, right into the gutter right away. And that's my goal. I'm 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 just steering this this one off the rails every chance I get tonight. Well, here's the thing. I'm not. I'm not into like. I, I agree. I mean, you don't. I'm not going to buy. You know, Minnie the model or whatever the nurse and like. They, they, so in the '60s, I mean, this was a big thing. Was was that they felt that the okay, women will read comic books too, but they won't read superheroes or they're not interested in good stories. They just want love and romance, and it was really pandering a lot of crap. You know, and, and and they were these romance. No, I mean, and this is what before Stanley was writing Spider-Man, and this is what he was doing. He was writing these romance books. I mean, so you can't say they're not important to the industry because, in some ways, for years before the superheroes kind of had their next wave and took off, they kept the industry floating. They kept the industry alive to some degree. I will agree with that. No, no opinions whatsoever on this. Not on not on romance comics or, or what you said basically. I mean that's the you know you're you're essentially correct. So <laughs> no, I I mean I own several because I mean I, I'm a Kirby guy. Um, I'm I'm a Dicko guy, and I've picked up some weird love, and you know they that they had some interesting comics, but it's not what attracts me to the medium, and. Usually in a comic book story, as soon as the ingenue is around, I I, I kind of skip those parts. I mean, there's nothing worse than a, a Lois Lane story. Um, oh, we're gonna get into it as this show goes on. Then. <laughs> well, but, but that's the thing, right? Is that I mean, for us, it's not going to be the romance novels, but the but romance in comic books. Almost any character you've read. I mean, you mentioned last a uh, couple weeks ago there, Chris, that your favorite character of all time is Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, growing up, Spider-Man cannot be separated from the Black Cat or Mary Jane when you're reading them as a as a kid, and that that those romantic entanglements are vital to the character and the storyline, and and part of the reason why, either subconsciously, I, I suspect that we're all attracted to it. Yeah, but. Is that more of a plot device? Because I mean, Peter Parker had as many complications with with uh, his aunt that that he did with MJ, really, in those early comics. And right right now, I mean, M- MJ is back, but I roll my eyes a lot because well, they they wrecked that whole relationship. Uh, pro- probably. Well, yeah, I, agree. I know what you're saying there. You can't put the, you can't put the 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 chicken back in the egg, you know. I mean that, but that's yeah. a whole other issue, right? Like, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Marin. Mar- I I just like her showing up and saying, "Face it, Tagger, you've hit the jackpot." Every four issues, and then go the <laughs> fuck away. <laughs> is it is Spider-Man gr- like Groundhog Day now? Is that what happens? Like every four issues, it's the same thing over yeah, again. Face it, Tiger, then... you've hit the jackpot. It's just like, and then she goes away. And we're no I, four, I, four issues later. She's. Back. I mean, you gotta admit that's a great line. It's fun to throw in there every once in a while. I like being reminded of it, but really, beyond like the the entrance, I don't care. And you don't care about any of Spider-Man's romantic entanglements. Um, There's not a character that you can another. I like what Black Cat does to the character, just throwing new ideas in the comic book. But I, I don't know. I've always been a little uncomfortable with uh, superheroes having sex, really, <laughs> outside of the boys. Because, I mean, I threw a little gasket when uh, the Batman the killing joke 
uh, animated movie came out. Um, and I started to watch that, and they had Batman and Batgirl having sex, which was just weird. Yeah, that's a whole other issue, though. I mean, I'm not talking yeah. about sex. That's not romance either. So no, exactly. Like, like that is that's a whole other thing. And and as comic books have become more mature, even just the mainstream comic books, and they're all now teen and up. You know, even the mainstream stuff. I mean, the idea of just seeing two characters in bed who have just you know are talking and have just boned is it seems like it happens quite often but i mean it's not like we ever saw peter peter and mary jane like that even when they were married you know what i mean like it's it wasn't i mean it wasn't present now it's like okay this is reality so let's put it in there and i i don't know if i'm i probably prefer it the other way like I, you know but i mean i guess i don't know i, I it, that's a weird that's a whole other weird topic you know <laughs> subtopic wouldn't you say brett yeah, I, I think the the key is is that there are times when it absolutely adds to a comic. And I think like I will point go back a couple of weeks to the to the favorites, favorite characters, and I will point to the Sam M Mystery Theater and Wesley Dodds and his relationship with Diane. I'll point to that as a you know, as brilliant. Like Wesley Dodds becomes more because of his relationship. And Diane is way more than just a standard, you know, girlfriend that needs rescuing every now and then. She adds to the comic book, she adds to the state of that storyline. Yeah, Brett, I mean this yeah. is Oh, go ahead. Bye, Chris. I, I'm I'm just thinking that, you know, Brett, when did you get permission to have, come up with thoughtful, intelligent points? I mean, in 178 issue episodes, it's never happened before, and you just threw my entire philosophy out the window in one. God, I forgot about Mystery Sand. It's a 20 freaking year old comic book. <laughs> but the point uh... is, it's not a romance comic book because, we, like, absolutely, what you said is true. We are not your prototype readers of romance comics doesn't hold a lot of interest other other than simply like a conversation piece. I can't say that I've actually read any of them. I mean, I know that they've that they've attempted, you know, at various points to do their little mini series where they kind of bring back romance comics for five issues or whatever. But even that didn't really draw me in. You know, the characters what I'm interested in though is the characters that are existing right now that have these relationships that you basically, because it's comic books, it's really hard to get out of. I mean, Spider-Man notwithstanding. But when I look at these, even to Archie and Betty and Veronica, I mean, if Archie didn't have Betty and Veronica in that regard, and I know that they're pushing the envelope and the boundaries of that, but when we grew up and when, you know, our parents grew up, Archie had Betty and Veronica. And and I think to a certain degree that, you know, as my son grows up, Archie's going to have Betty and Veronica. It's it's an interesting concept, but comic books allow these hundred-year relationships in that in that regard. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. I would not include um, Betty and Veronica in the romance area really i mean but i'm not talking about a romance comic i'm just talking no. about a romance in comics or i'm just talking about relationships in comics yeah. and and how vital they can be to mm -hmm. to whatever it is that whether it's that you cheer for, you like like i liked betty more than veronica so i was always cheering for her to me that was a draw to the comic book that helped get me in there even though it was about you know her wanting to get this guy i mean i mean jughead was my favorite character but I, I wanted Bed to see Betty with him, and I felt bad for her when she when she when Veronica or Archie would go off with this rich snobby girl, and it's kind of like it. I don't know. It's the same thing. Like, like we talk about, you talked about uh, you know uh, Diane from Sam Mendes' theater, Brett, not being the type of girl that that just needed to be rescued, and it's like that's what Lois Lane was, right? Like when Lois Lane was first put in the comic book, it was to be the girl that would just be rescued. Absolutely. You know, I mean, hell, that's what she was in the first Superman movie. She's just the girl who's fallen off, off the roof that he's catching and just to be rescued. Like, but somewhere along the line, and it started to happen a little bit in that movie, and it certainly happened when John Byrne took her. She became a fully fleshed out character who's more than just the person who needed to be rescued. 
And all of a sudden, under Byrne and or Ordway and Jurgens and these people, this was just a great comic book, and it was all of these of these characters, not not just her, but all these characters, like the parents having more meaning and and the people that he worked with. All of them had way more depth and life and whatever. And all of a sudden, I cared all of a sudden about his relationship with Lois a lot more, right? Like the idea that he needed her to love Clark and not Superman before he revealed his secret identity meant something to me. That was a that was a more than a subplot. That was a a driving force behind what interested me in the book because it's like that's. Even that's something even Superman has to overcome, and it's something I could relate to, and something I could cheer for. So I mean, it's it's that's that's where it is. it's it's like maybe you're not like oh man, I what's I hope they kiss this issue. That's not it. That's not what I'm saying. But it is just like it's something that makes the characters. I think that grounds them and gives them something, makes them real, makes them something you you cheer for and or believe in or care for because they feel when they have these feelings. They feel like more real people. Does that make any sense? Oh, absolutely, it does. And I think, and I think we've said it before, and it's worth mentioning again. I mean, the best characters have the best supporting casts. And when we are talking right now, we are talking about you know a relationship, and we're talking about that being a supporting cast character. We're not talking about like Superman and Wonder Woman who have their own who have their own comic together kind of thing, but we're talking about somebody who is in that supporting cast. And and Lois Lane formed one of the best supporting casts ever, especially during that burn and just beyond superhero or Superman run. Roger Stern and all the people yeah. that were helping to you know. To, to be part of that, yeah. And I'll, I'll also point out... Louis Simonson. Yeah, I'll also point out the, the brilliant Alan Moore, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Yeah. And the Lois Lane, the relationship that Superman had with Lois Lane as they were married later on, I thought that was awesome. It was like everything you wanted, but it didn't have to pander, and it didn't have to be too much. It didn't have to be silly. It was just... A good relationship. Absolutely, I agree. Ah, uh, yeah. Now, now, now that we're talking about Superman in particular, I, I was writing stuff off um, really early in this, but I forgot they based the entire television series off that era of Superman, Lois and Clark. And I don't know, that was cute. There, there was some cuteness going on, and I guess the relationship was important. I guess just not being a Superman fan, per se, uh, slipped my mind. And I was remembering, you know, the times they tried to wedge love interests into Batman, which is always a freaking mistake. Movies, just forget the love interest in Batman, please. Well, it's interesting, though, because Batman, ha like many people would argue Batman's uh, supporting cast is equally as strong as Superman's, but he is one of those rare characters that... You know, for all the love interests that have been in and out, he doesn't have one that's consistent. That, like, Lois Lane is equally as important as Superman. Whereas, you know, Batman doesn't have anybody who's who's equally as important in that in that range. Except Joker. <laughs> yeah, mean, no, I mean, some people are going to argue Catwoman, but I, I, I always am against a romance. Like, that's not romance. That is a weird, lusty, like weird. We're superheroes thing. Um, well, the way it's written, uh, the last time I read it, you know, it, it's it seems a tad more akin to booty call. You know, yeah. There was a point in the in the eighties where, like, they were a couple, and to me, I was I was like, eh, like it like, just it doesn't work with masks. No, it it you know, maybe I don't even know if it doesn't work with masks, but it's like. But yeah, I mean, there's been some storylines related to the female characters for Batman that would be well, great storylines. But they're storylines, but 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 without the like with you know uh, Talia Azgul or how, how we pronounce her name would that be Talia? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I mean, certainly that relationship and the intertwined with that and Batman and Ra's al Ghul and all this stuff. Or, and, and or the, the know, one that Steve Engelhart yeah, uh, Steve did. Engelhart. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. What was that one again? What was the name of it? Dark Detective. Uh, yeah, yeah, Dark Detective, and Dark I Detective. forget the name of the character that uh, that he introduced. 
I do as well, but the point is that she was meant to be like this was the love he couldn't have and whatever and and it's like that's and and it treated Batman like an adult because he had an adult relationship. It wasn't just, you know, some like that's the thing. It was good to get rid of Vicky Vale cuz Vicky Vale was in the in the lowest lane. She's just there because we need a female and somebody for him to rescue. But Silver she, Silver St. Cloud. Silver St. Cloud. There you go. It's a great name. <laughs> what an awesome name. It's a very comic book name, absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but again, it's also like on the other hand, like because Vicky Vale was there when I first started reading Batman, the idea of her not being with him kind of vexes me. <laughs> For just on that weird thing like, "Oh, no, this is the way it should be." Cuz whatever you see first is always the way it should be. Yeah. When you're a little kid, well, right? For sure. Yeah. But I mean, and and look at the uproar over um I mean, both because of the way it was done and and just the fact that it did happen like when when Mary Jane and Peter stopped being married in Spider-Man I mean that was that was a crazy you know some would say good decision some would say bad decision but you know either way I mean it was it was taking things away from the way they were kind of supposed to be especially to me to me and that's the thing right like Mary Jane and Peter to me they're still married even if they're not because that's the way I think of the characters, you know. I think of them as married, and don't, and the generation ahead of us, Brett, probably thinks, "Oh, that Mary Jane was always wrong. It always should have been Gwen Stacy." Right. And and they're probably mad that it became Mary Jane, you know, because and, and that's but that's part of it. So, you, like again, this is kind of like it's just one of those things that that it, I don't know. It's it is vital to the characters, even if it's not why you're picking it up. Now, one couple in comic books I've always loved is Green Arrow and Black Canary. You just Absolutely. mentioned my favorite. Yeah. But if you were to ask me the greatest romance in comic book history, as much as I, Brett, when you mentioned, you know, uh, Wesley Dodds and Diane, that's a great one and stuff, and Superman and Lois and stuff. For me, that's the greatest romance in history is, is uh, Black Canary and Green Arrow. The way With, that Mike Grell writes it. The way Grell did it. Yes, it, uh, that is key. The Grell, the Grell series. See, but that relationship, I've, I, I mean, there are romantic moments, but those moments, I don't think ever last all that long. Um, what I, that, what that comic about is to me, in a lot of ways, is the balance of power in a relationship. Because I mean, there is arguably there is no other woman in a relationship in comic books, um, other than the Black Canary, that can hold her own. And can be arguably uh, argued is the stronger character, um, and I, I always liked that Green Arrow was always uh, when they were both in it. It was almost a Black Canary book, and this is this is why I think it is great. I think you you summed it up for me because Chris, because the fact is that that Grell didn't present. They present the presented as equals, and it's not always romantic. Because frankly, real life—if you're married or in a relationship—isn't always romantic. I mean, uh, Brett, you're you're the one of us that's married. Uh, uh, today's Valentine's Day, pretty romantic day for you. Oh yeah, yeah, super super romantic. Um, you know, my wife is uh, totally sick, so she really didn't want to have uh, anything to do with anything. You know, <laughs> so. and uh, and when it's coming to you, she generally feels that way, regardless. <laughs> so, so, but, but, but the truth is, life isn't romantic all the time. So that's kind of what made like that's why it's such a great relationship because the woman is the equal, or like you say, even perhaps the stronger, a more interesting character, and because she's she gets so much of that book, and and it feels like a real thing because it doesn't like I, I'm not into a fantasy. Love, love, love. Like, I don't want a fairy tale relationship. Grill did not give us a fairy tale relationship. He gave us a realistic relationship. And that, to me, is why I, I loved it so much. Well, they have to make the characters better. And they have to be fully formed characters. Uh, because, because, as you say, those things don't... Like, like, romance all the time just doesn't happen. It's never going to happen. So give me actual characters, actual life. We do read comic books to escape but at the same time one of the elements that makes it easier to escape is if you've grounded it in reality 
I mean, one of the most controversial moments in the Green Arrow series is that she's raped. Uh, the Black Canary in the in the Grail's Green Arrow was she was raped, and it's like, how can this superhero be raped? And that part, you go, yeah, that's crazy. But as far as like something that the way it's handled, as far as how she handles it, and and Oliver Queen handles it, and you know, it's very like. Like this is this is real life, and it tests the relationship. And 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 like, if it was just her series and she didn't have somebody, I don't know that that moment would have impacted me as much as it did, because it made it real to me the fact that she was in a relationship and then has this horrific thing happen that it's affecting her and there's other people that that, that are drawn into it. And and this horrible act is so the 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 level of of how horrible it is is so runs so deep, deeper than you would even realize. And like, these are, these are like, again, it, it's just without that relationship. What is that series? What is that moment? What is any I, of it? I love the longbow, how, how the longbow hunters handles that particular story. Um, just because it is so clear. It is not about green arrow. Sure. It is not his book. But on a whole, he's not really affected. He he cares. He's emotionally affected. But that whole storyline and the storylines after are not about him, if you know what I mean. No, they're not. No, it, it didn't. But they are him at the same time. Because like, that's it, the thing. It would have been so tempting just to make it all about him. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't have been a good comic book at all. Actually, it would have been offensive. It could have been offensive in so many ways. And I, I would actually uh, argue it could be a little bit offensive because that's those scenes are a little salacious, if you know what I mean. I think that might be just um, because uh, Mike Grell is such a, a great artist and uh, he might have, you know, made things a little bit, I don't know. It's the thing is, it's it's like how do you handle something like that? I mean, like you say, maybe it is salacious. But on the other hand, how else do you do it without like you want it to have impact? But how do you do it without making it? It's a really tough thing. Like it's I don't know how the answer to it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah. That to me, that's why I don't know. Just. That to me for, would be the greatest romance. I mean, uh, some people like I say they might say Lois and Clark. Who knows? Just because it's like the first or Brad, you had brought up one, one of uh, Mister Off Air to me, uh, Mister Fantastic, Reed Richards and Sue Storm. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, those characters have been through so much together, and and it's interesting the, the way their relationship impacts the team, but you know, and also the comic book because there is so many ideas of the people out there and how they want to be able to tell the the Mr. Fantastic and and Invisible Woman that they want to tell those stories but at the same time they don't want to tell it within the framework of the team so you know they'll pull them out of the team but then when you want the Fantastic Four you need to have them as part of it and then sometimes it's like Reed is too you know busy he's too he's got too much going on so so it forces him away from Sue and that causes a lot of tension and that's interesting. So, I mean, you know, it, it is adding tension, but it's not adding tension in a bad way. You know, it's, it's like I've, it's like I've long said about, you know, children and how they bring nothing but terrible things to television shows because of the tension that they, that they're, you know, forcing into the book. Well, a relationship like Reed and Sue have, is filled with tension, but it's not a bad tension. It's a good tension because you do want these characters. These characters are supposed to be together, but you want that tension to help them grow and help the storyline grow. You don't want it to like hinder them. See, I've read good stories like that, but I, I would disagree. I think that particular trope in the fantastic four hurt them more than it helped them in a lot of, a lot of ways. They went back to that well way too many times. I think it's a problem with the serial medium. Um, well, anything you like just that keep is going back there. I'm, I mean, 
you know, I survived the 80s and after the 80s with the Fantastic Four. I just wanted him to leave, uh, her to leave this jerk um, that never gave her any attention. I, th I think they made it more interesting with the Ultimate Comics um, having uh, Sue Storm a little bit more well well rounded and uh, uh, just just plain more interesting. Um, but really, they went to that well a lot. Well, the Sue Storm character is an interesting character because we talk about a Stanley had come from the romance comics, you know, and and she was kind of thrown in there to be the female character. And even though she was a superhero and she had powers, he had no interest or really knowledge how to, you know, Hank Kirby at the time, how to really develop her as a full person. She was just kind of the, even though she was the one with powers, she was still the one that needed saved, even though she had powers like the rest of them for a while there. And all she could do was turn invisible. And she wasn't, she, it took a long time for that character to become more. It's it's absolutely true, and and I mean the different uh, you know in the malice era and stuff like that. I mean, there's lots of there's been lots of good things, but you know, and when you say that, Chris, I do totally agree. They've gone to that well, and like you say, it's that serial medium. But like a serial medium, there's going to be peaks and there's going to be valleys. And as far as I'm concerned, what I'm looking at from my perspective is the peaks. You know, some of those moments where like. Like I will point to the Hickman run. I mean, it is a peak, and the and the way he does the characters are, I find really interesting. I do like um, a lot of the Tom DeFalco run uh, from the from the eighties and or from the nineties, there kind of thing. And I think that that there's some really good storytelling from their relationship and the Burn run, absolutely. But there is some horrible valleys as well, where where it's basically just riffing off the same thing over and over again and they don't do anything but i mean such is the nature of five six however many hundreds of comic books have been written <laughs> starring those characters i'll also point out um a great uh female character is betty ross you know from the hulk i mean mm -hmm. things a lot of things don't happen in the hulk without betty ross i mean what a great tie-in with with everything um, I was talking Fantastic Four. The other character in there, uh, the Thing, uh, like this, right. basically, with the, yeah, and Alicia with the Masters, Masters, Masters in that relationship, yeah, yeah, primarily. Um, the, the Thing. There's basically three takes on the Thing. He's a really funny, fun-loving guy, or he's a really brooding guy, or he's a a, a funny guy who underneath is brooding. <laughs> you know, and that's the burn one, right? And that's the the best one, right? I mean, nobody to me has ever written the character better. Uh, and and for him, it was you know he would be funny and he would be outgoing, but but underneath it all, he really questioned himself. He and he wanted to be loved, and he felt like how can I ever be loved, even though I, when I'm a monster and only a blind woman could love me, and even she can't really love me. And these are the things that's like. Okay, that relationship, and she does, and we knew that she really loved him, and he th wanted to believe it, but couldn't because he didn't believe in himself enough. And that's the type of thing that just makes you care about the character, makes him feel real. Makes again, it's about investment in the character, and and so when she ends up when he goes to you know the Beyonders world and she comes back and she's now with Johnny, like. That was as devastating for a reader who loved Ben Grimm as much as it was for Ben Grimm. So that's that's effective. That shows how effective these things can be. And you know, I also think it's it's interesting the fact that she's blind and and he is the thing. Like it, it's just such a such a simple concept, but you know, it wound up working so well. Yeah. Now, Absolutely. romance in superhero comics. Now, do you guys have the same problem with the, as me a lot of the time? Um, whenever they introduce a new love interest or uh, they, they play with it, comic books basically being a two-act medium, beginning, middle, and then continue next week. Um, I mean, this, this is how Spider-Man got screwed up. Um, you, you can't have them get married because that changed the tone it changes the character completely and you know, they want to preserve a, a certain status quo. Um, 
it gets in the way, I think, a lot. There's something to that. It can. It's like, where do you go with it? Because you can't go anywhere with it. And you know, I, I, I'm a little tired of. Um, I, I would like to see more successful marriages. But what do you do with Mary Jane after? Uh, what do you do with Charlie Cooper after uh, another Spider-Man ingenue that got to a certain point and then it was, oh, I'm going to Chicago. Um, but, and she's out of the comic book. It's it's just weird. Um, it, it, it is. It you doesn't know what, but... show your female characters and, and your male character love interests uh, enough respect, I don't think, especially if you develop them. Which is why I th- actually think the the burn uh, Lois Lane relationship uh, in the modern era is actually really interesting because, you know, they've paid it off. They stayed married. They're, they're together. They have super sons. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Basically they did until, until things changed, but that wasn't because of, you know, anything in, uh, to do with the relationship. You know, I, I, I was going to say, actually, you know, like you say, you can't really go anywhere with it. A character that I that when I first read him was already married and had kids, and had a solid marriage and was a good guy. And as part of and you would think, hey, as a teenager, you wouldn't like him because you're not married. But it just made me like him because he was just a good family man, buddy, animal man, right? So, oh yeah. Like like that's an example of where you come into it and the characters are already married, so you don't have to go anywhere with it. It just made him feel. More like a good guy, because he just wanted to be a good dad, you know, and a good husband. It's kind of hard. He's animal man, and you and know, so it's it's a different situation than what you're talking about, Chris, because it's already there. So it feels like it's part of the character to me. From the yeah, beginning. but he he the, yeah from the beginning, we never got to see animal in date. No, and let's face it, he's animal animal man. Nobody's expecting a long run of Animal Man, despite <laughs> the fact there are a couple. Um, you know, when you're when you're reading a comic book, Animal Man, you're going month to month. Like, is this going to come out next month? You know, one of the things that that as you talk that that I do find interesting too is the idea of when they take two superhero characters and basically marry them off in that. And and you wonder if they're are they rolling the dice to to make sales? Are they well obviously they're trying to make sales, but like are they rolling the dice hoping that people accept this to the point where it'll last? Or is it just like, eh, we'll just do some sales and and then it'll go back to the status quo? Because I'm I'm especially thinking of uh, the Black Panther and Storm. And that yeah, one that, seems that's... really bad because it's like, oh well, we have the Black Panther and he's black and we have Storm and she's black. It's perfect. Yeah, sometimes and and again, that's where it becomes yeah, the where where it's not organic when you can tell that it's it feels like an exec editor to executive decision. Like that's that's when it's not good. What you want is something more like, you know, Daredevil and Electra, right? Like where it's it's introduced and it doesn't last for a long time because the character dies. But the yeah. character is, but he really loves her, so it now affects the character for the rest of his life. You know, I mean, ideally, as long as she stays dead. But <laughs> but, but like like but that's the way Frank Miller envisions it, right? Is he, we're not going to see him date for a long time. There's not there is some place to go with this. Where to go with this is she's going to die, and this great romance is now going to scar him, and that helps again. Like that's like to me. It, that's that was just that's a great storyline and it's about the relationship like that's that it means it i mean that was what 15 20 years into the into that was probably 20 years oh yeah I, i'd say yeah. that, that daredevil had been around for 20 years and did anybody care about him as much as they did at that point when he had that electric character introduced had they ever cared as much before he had that relationship no, again, that's the power of love in in these books and what they can do. Oh, for sure. I mean, they're you know when characters like that get introduced and and they hit that, they just hit that, you know, that zeitgeist, that element that people want. And in this case, you know, Frank Miller left them wanting more, and that totally worked. 
See, Absolutely. I don't. Th- I, in a lot of ways, when you look at like that, I I don't think it pays proper respect to the female characters, uh, because I mean, where's Electra without Daredevil? Um, I mean, sure, she's had a couple short runs, but there aren't very many good comic books. And another one would be Mockingbird and Hawkeye. Um, see, when, when they were married, I was interested in both of them. When when they got divorced, it was just weird. And hell, Mockingbird's been killed, scrollized. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, they, they they just seem to play it well, well. We like the look of the character. Let's try to throw her in somewhere. But really, without that relationship, one of the characters there's always a loser. Um, and comics being what they are, we have trouble leaving them behind. You know. But, Let's kill the character. Let's be done. Um, I, I think I'd love Electra a whole lot more today. I mean, I love that Frank Miller run, but oh god, she's still all around and doesn't yeah, make any yeah, sense. No, I, I think all of us, all of us from our perspective, would be of the hey, she never should have been brought back. Like mm. I, I don't think there's that's. I think that's obvious. Like to me, then she would be a, be a great character who is really only in what like eighteen issues, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Like this great character who'd be around a short little while, but whose impact would mean more and did mean more to this daredevil and just kind of and kind of how in an adult way relationships could be. Because that was the first relationship where it felt like it was two adults in a relationship being treated like adults and they weren't being written for kids at all that I can think of. Also, you know, and that so it just changed the. You know, I mean, you also had you had the Nick Fury, and he was just, you know, he was like the super spy boning people in in the seventies, and that was, you know, different, right? But yeah, not a lot of romance there. Not <laughs> a lot of romance there, no. And it well, and it's and it's interesting because it's like you you talk about Frank Miller and Electra, and it's just like, and Frank Miller, I mean, here's a guy. I mean, does he like women at all? <laughs> I, you know, I don't know that he does. It is certainly, you know, I, I mean, I don't know that he doesn't. I mean. He's been with somebody for a long time who's also in the industry. I can't remember her name, but but uh, oh. he's he's been in a long term relationship. But and and you know what? In Sin City, he he had that one. Dwight had that great love affair with uh, I can't remember the character's name. Goldie was it? Come on, Chris. No, 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 no. Go, 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 Goldie was the prostitute. Well, they're all prostitutes. But, um... Well, exactly. It's Sin City and it's Frank Miller. It's a Frank Miller story. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> that's the way it works. They had no, the, uh, Go- Goldie was Marv's obsession. Goldie was Marv's obsession. That's right. Dwight had a, Dwight had had a different. Sadie. That's right. And Gold. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But that's again. That was a great romantic tale. You know, with all the sex and violence thrown in that Sin City has. But the romance was, you know, whereas Marv's tale was about revenge, Dwight's tale was about romance. Mm-hmm. Well, I would call it more of a male fantasy than anything else. But yeah, okay. I, well, I see where you're going. It was, it was, well, I mean, there's always a sense of male fantasy, but I mean, it's, it was, it was one of those, it's one of those uh, really overly it's it's a bit of a fairy tale. It's overly romanticized and love, and it's it, all the all the all the feelings are heightened because it's it's noir, so everything is heightened beyond the fact where it's realistic anymore. But that's part of what makes it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I I think we're hitting a lot of a lot of interesting areas where maybe the comic book because of exaggeration, because of serialization, may. I, I think we're hitting on a lot of problems with romance and comic books just in general. I mean, yeah, you can see why it's important, but you can also see the 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 you know the follies of it for sure. Oh, there's lots of ways it can go wrong. Absolutely. But uh, what about anything more recent or modern that that uh, I mean? Unfortunately, it's us. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> doesn't help us. <laughs> Is there anything you guys can think of, or? Well, I mean, I did read one series that I'll throw out there, but I mean, uh, I'm reading a, a, a manga right now called Mister. 
Mystery Girlfriend X, mm-hmm. um, which really examines relationships between uh, male and female and, uh, and balances expectations versus um, the relationship. And it's it's really interesting. Um, rom- I, I think they downplayed some of the actual romance in it to uh, get points across. But that's the closest thing to a romance book I'm reading right now. What about what would you consider the greatest romance then in, in the history of comics, Chris? You, throwing out some you, good you know, I, I, I did say um, that I have problems with it. But, you know, when, when MJ and Spider-Man were together, or not together, before they got married... I mean, that was great. I remember getting excited. That was the only time I was ever excited for a wedding issue. That I wedding mean, issue, I, for sure. I cared when they they announced a real designer for MJ's wedding dress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's the only wedding dress I ever could care about. Um, and I, I, I think we'd be, I think we'd be remiss to not bring up the Cyclops Jean Grey uh, relationship as well. I mean, the, the episode where he proposed to her, or the issue where he proposed to her, it was like during a snowball fight, and it was like in, there was no villains around or anything, and it was just like this great character-driven issue written by Scott Lobdell, and I was like, this is just, this is, like, again, like, sometimes you just want to cheer for them, and one of the ways you can cheer for these people, let's face it, I mean, if you're a superhero... Not much is going to go right in your life. More is going to go wrong than right, because otherwise you don't have conflict. Without conflict, you don't have story. But something that can go right is, at least for a little while, they can find love. And I think the Jean Grey and Cyclops, uh, you know, over the years has had a lot of great romantic moments. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how weird it was to, you know, to be like, oh, it's now it's Cyclops and Emma Frost. And it's I know. like, oh, it's, whoa, it's, to me, dude. It's, <laughs> I know. And I actually understand it. And yet, to me, it was—it's always—you know—it's one of those ones, right? Like it's one of those ones where it's like the first one, you know, is the best, is the one it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. You know, I might point out the greatest romance in comic books being uh, Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy. Could be. You know, because again, so much has impacted Spider-Man because of that moment. And also just the fact that now, I mean, you look at it and Gwen Stacy, because they managed to find ways of bringing various Gwen Stacys into the Marvel Universe and, and you know, relatively popular, I I would, I understand. And, and so it, it's... Yeah, it's difficult for you or me, but... Oh, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. It's the people that don't have that, that connection, then they can just like the character. It becomes difficult. And, and the issues that I read, I mean, they were good. I enjoyed yeah. the character, and it wasn't... It, because it's, How about her having twins with Harry Os- or with uh, Norman well, Osborn, though? That's not... That's not... That's not... Except, that's, that's one of those ones that's on the same level as Batman and and, and uh, Batgirl banging in, in a killing joke where it's just like, no, okay, no, this is... No. No. You've just done something really wrong. You've just taken characters and and you're finding ways of you know shoehorning story in and and you're you're cheapening the character and I think that's that was the worst part of that for me. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. When did that happen? I've read a lot of comic books, but I don't remember that. I mean, I could have just blocked it out. Well, it's within the last decade. Really? Well, no, I don't know if it was within the last decade. Maybe it isn't. I, I think maybe it, a little more. Because I mean, like I just finished years, off the last two hundred issues of Spider-Man in like a mega run. I read, I read from number six hundred to seven hundred, and then all the modern Spider-Man, um, in in a great run. It was so much fun with Dan Slott, but I don't yeah, remember yeah, yeah, whatever Chris. anything with Gwen <laughs> Stacy and twins. Uh, it's the Sins Past by Joe Straczynski, Amazing Spider-Man Five. Oh, I skipped the the Joe comics because I didn't know which ones, you know, did the terrible stuff. Yeah, well, <laughs> most of them, I think, but uh, but but yeah, like so that's that's it. And I and I remember reading it because I remember reading through the list of the ten worst Spider-Man storylines ever. 
several of which were written by Joe Straczynski. And, and so I think, you know, that is, um, that is absolutely right up there, but it's just, I don't know why they felt the need to do that. And, and, you know, it doesn't, it's not a good story. And, and it does, it cheapens Gwen Stacy in my mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I think that's a, that's a good way to, uh, to exit the, uh, this particular episode here. Any final thoughts on the topic then from you, Chris? I mean, you kind of came around on this. I mean, I, I think you were hesitant when we announced that we wanted to talk about this today. And, and even at the beginning you were, and, and now that we've kind of had the conversation, what's your, what's your final assessment on things? Uh, suck it, Brett. Um, with with that one one point right at the beginning you reminded me reminded me of one of my favorite runs of all time a relationship i i just hadn't thought of um yeah no uh that one argument sort of brought me around on this and i i was i was ready to crap on on everything and uh uh, I couldn't after that. So after Sand- uh-huh. Sandman Mystery Theater, uh, sucker. <laughs> uh, the exception to every rule, Sandman Mystery Theater. Yeah, it kind of is. Well, <laughs> you know, and it, and it proves a lot of rules too. But uh, yes. Final thoughts, Brett. You know, I it's it's interesting. I think we don't normally talk about relationships, and and you know they they've. They've meant a lot to us, and they've meant a lot to the characters that we like. And and I think that the fact that we associate characters with, you know, like these superheroes with the people that they have in relationships. And, you know, and one of the things that I will quickly say is that, you know, it's intriguing to me that we talk about male superheroes with, with women relationships. We're not... They, how many times have, is there uh, a woman superhero that has a relationship with a man? And and we brought that up. Did we? Steve Trevor is boring. He will always be boring. Yeah. yeah. Boring. He's the, the one end of the conversation. Like, yeah, he's the one where you're like, man, you should feel about Steve Trevor the same way you feel about Vicky Vale, but you don't because he sucks. Yeah. And and the problem is is that Wonder Woman just doesn't seem to to you know, engender a relationship. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, all right. With this excellent, excellent little fun little show here. And uh, with that, I think we're going to leave it. We just want to go out uh, mentioning that uh, after uh, a five-year uh, partnership with Comicosity that uh, we're no longer uh, being sponsored by them. And uh, our show, if you've Listen to us on their website, and you're finding us now in another spot. Uh, you will no longer be able to get it there in the future. But uh, that we want to thank them for five years. They've helped us uh, an awful lot, helped the reach of the show, helped us book guests, uh, taken part in lots of different episodes. Uh, special thanks to Aaron and Matt for everything they did to us. And uh, I know whatever uh, goes on on their website, whether it's articles, interviews, even other podcasts, that anything that you'll find on there will always be of the highest quality. And uh, we wish them the best of luck in the future. And with that, we are OUT.